This episode of The Real Fit Podcast is brought to you by The Real Nourished Newsletter. Real Nourished, reinventing your relationship with food, is for you if you are ready to stop micromanaging your food and exercise so you can start fully showing up to your life. Each biweekly issue features evidence-based tools that will help reduce your food-related anxiety, improve your body image, and help you embrace exercise as a form of nourishment, not punishment. When you subscribe, you'll get my free guide, 11 Things You Can Do Right Now to Feel Better About Your Body. To get in on it, just click on the link in the show notes or visit my website, pam-more.com. Hi, and welcome back to Real Fit, a podcast featuring conversations with women athletes on topics including body image, enoughness, and so much more. I'm your host, Pam Moore. I am an occupational therapist turned certified intuitive eating counselor and health and fitness journalist. If you've ever felt like your body wasn't enough, or if you've ever felt like your body was too much, this show is for you. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about the first principle of intuitive eating, which is reject the diet mentality. This is part of a series of episodes I'm releasing on intuitive eating, and if you haven't yet, you might want to go back and listen to episode 44, where I give a brief overview of the philosophy and practice of intuitive eating, and episode 47, where I begin talking about the first principle, which is rejecting the diet mentality. I think this is a pretty weighty topic, uh, no pun intended, so that's why I broke it into two episodes. In episode 47, I talk about what the diet mentality is, and and I'm going to link to episodes 47 and 44 in the show notes, Um, but in this episode, I'm going to talk about why letting go of the diet mentality is such an important part of intuitive eating, and the reasons, which I'm going to unpack in detail, include number one, dieting interferes with your ability to listen to your own body's cues. Number two, diets typically do not work, which you probably already know. Otherwise, I don't think you would be listening to this right now. And number three, even if they worked, weight is not a proxy for health. Let's unpack number one. Dieting interferes with listening to your body's cues. When we talk about dieting, I'm talking about not just something like counting calories or being on Weight Watchers, you know, which, what we think of as traditional diets. Um, it also includes limiting certain foods like dairy or gluten or sugar or white carbs, you know, in the absence of some kind of medical or digestive issue. It's classifying foods into good or bad, demonizing processed foods, anything where you're limiting what, when, or how much you eat based on the end goal of achieving a certain body shape and size. So with dieting, the driving force behind deciding when, what, and how much you're going to eat is the question, how will this affect my weight? You're looking at factors outside of yourself, things like calories, macronutrients, protein grams, fat grams, sugar, ingredients, the fit of your genes, or a number on the scale. All of those things are outside of your body. And that's what's driving you to make your decision about what you're going to eat. On the other hand, as an intuitive eater, the primary question you need to be asking yourself is, what does my body need right now? What would taste good? What texture, temperature, and portion size would satisfy me right now? What will nourish me for the activities I'm doing today? The issue is, if you're like most of us, you've spent years, or for many of us, even decades, 
maybe even a lifetime, trying to drown out the little voice inside of you that's telling you what you really want, that already knows what you want, that knows what you need. You've practiced drowning out that little voice so that you can tune into the message you're getting from diet culture, which is telling you that I think as Kate Moss once famously said, nothing tastes as good as thin feels. Haven't we all been brought up to feel like nothing matters as much as being thin, as much as looking appealing to the dominant culture. Like how we are seen is more important than how we actually feel. What the fuck? As you begin the journey of intuitive eating, one of the biggest challenges is figuring out what you really want. And if you're still focused on what you quote unquote should be eating, it really muddles that little voice inside. And that voice gets a chance to get louder and louder the more you tune into it. But it's like creating so much static when you're still wondering, yeah, 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 okay, but but what if I gain weight when I eat that? What if, what if I don't have the body that I want if I eat that? So essentially, the diet mentality interferes with your ability to be attuned to your body. So that is the number one reason to let go of the dieting mentality. So when people say to me, like, could I do intuitive eating and lose weight that's a tricky one I mean usually and I could do a whole episode on this and maybe I will at some point but I would like to start with the question of why do you want to lose weight what do you think will be different when you lose weight what's driving that let's talk about that that's a whole other question could you do intuitive eating and lose weight perhaps it's unclear but the idea behind intuitive eating is that essentially you start eating foods that nourish your body that feel good to you and you move in a way or exercise or work out or what you know some people find the words exercise and working out triggering but you move in a way that also nourishes your body that becomes not a punishment for what you ate not a way to make up for what you're going to eat but it you do it cuz it feels good and then when you get in sync with your body and you're eating and moving in a way that feels good that's not depleting you it's nourishing you and that you're not obsessed with it The idea is that your weight will fall where it falls and that will be healthy for you. The diet industry has sold us a lie, which is that we're all supposed to look a certain way. And I'm going to come back to that a little bit, but but that's just not true. Body diversity exists. And if we were all supposed to look like fitness models, then it wouldn't be so hard. Okay. Which leads me to point number two. Diets don't work. I mean, yeah, can a diet or an intentional weight loss attempt or, you know, a lifestyle or an app or counting macros, whatever you want to call it, can it help you lose weight? Yes, initially. But long term, no. I read a meta-analysis, which I will link to, that looked at 46 different studies to see what happened when people engaged in some combination of either diet or um, diet plus exercise in order to lose weight. Incidentally, they didn't really, they saw a little bit of difference when people added exercise into the mix, but nothing significant. And what they found was that on average, people lost 6% of their body weight within a year, but within three years, most people regained about half the weight back. Um, I don't think any studies, if only a few studies measured the results beyond three years, most of them didn't even measure the results up to three years, but the researchers extrapolated, they used a model to extrapolate, well, what would happen over time if we did measure this beyond three years? And what they found was, you know, at this current trajectory, 
generally people will return to their baseline weight after five and a half years. Um, So I thought that was really interesting. I'm linking to that in the show notes. I mean, there is a mountain of data showing that diets don't work on the intuitiveeating.org website. If you go under resources and then under that, there's studies. And again, I will link to this in the show notes. But um, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, Another thing I thought was really interesting that is probably going to come as no shock to you, but one of the biggest predictors of weight gain is intentional weight loss. So there was an interesting twin study in Finland. They looked at Finnish twins, um, like over 2,000 sets of twins, ages 16 to 25. They included both fraternal and identical twins, and they looked at pairs where one dieted and one didn't. And over time, even in this short period of time, ages 16 to 25, that's only nine years, Not only did they find that twins who dieted were more likely to gain weight than the twin who didn't in one of these pairs where one did and one didn't, the more times one twin dieted, the more weight they gained as compared to their non-dieting twin. Even one episode of intentional weight loss made the dieting twin two to three times more likely to gain weight. And when they looked at twins who experienced two or more episodes of intentional weight loss, they found that those twins were up to five times more likely to gain weight. And again, we're only looking at people up to age 25. What will happen for people who are chronically gaining and losing weight over time all their lives? Again, there's like so much research to support this. I just pulled out a couple studies that were calling to me. And number three, weight is not a proxy for health. And I kind of want to tattoo that to my forehead because You know, it used to be like you could just call a diet what it was. Then came the wellness movement. And now everybody is here to say, oh, but like losing weight is healthy. Intermittent fasting is healthy. Keto is healthy. All these things are quote unquote healthy. But I would ask you to think about this. And this might be something you want to journal about or just reflect on quietly later. What does health mean to you? Is it really healthy? to micromanage your food? Is it healthy to track, to weigh, to measure, to log all of your food in an app or something like MyFitnessPal? Is it healthy to starve yourself and then binge and then feel bad about it, promise yourself you'll restrict the next day and then do it all again? Is it healthy to look in the mirror and pick apart every perceived flaw? I would say no. Like to me, health is so much more than a number, including even lab work type numbers, but specifically a number on a scale. A number on a scale can never reflect how you're doing in your heart, in your mind, how are your relationships. To me, and again, this is just me, you can come up with your own definition of health, but to me, health, physical health includes nourishing my body with a variety of nutrient-dense foods, honoring the taste preferences that I have, eating enough to support my level of activity. And it also includes, of course, movement that I enjoy. I love lifting heavy weights. I love riding my bike. I love hiking. But then there's also the emotional and spiritual components of health. And for me, that includes nurturing my curiosity, exploring my creativity, making things, not just writing. I think you probably know I'm a writer, but like I like to make quilts. I like to draw. Lately, my daughter and I have been Um, This is her idea, but she'll be like, can we write a song together? And I'm like, 
Okay. I'll, I'll try writing a song. That's actually really fun for me. Anyways, I love exploring the curiosity, the creativity, and of course, nurturing relationships, being part of my community, spending quality time with my friends and family. That's huge. When I was in the diet mentality, so much of my energy was being absorbed by this obsession with trying to get my body to look a certain way that I couldn't put that energy into my other, quote unquote, like let's call them health buckets, so to speak. It was driving me crazy. And I I cannot tell you how much mental energy I've gotten back since I gave up the pursuit of a different body. So for me, and I would assume for anyone else who practices intuitive eating, there is no place for food rules and restrictions that are based purely on trying to achieve a certain aesthetic. And of course, I want to acknowledge that if you're not eating certain foods because you're allergic to them, you have a medical reason to avoid them, or they just make you feel bad, that's totally different. That's a form of, I mean, maybe not, you know, not eating foods for um, medical reasons, right? Obviously, you just want to preserve your health there. But like, if you know that, like for me, for example, donuts, donuts usually sit really heavy in my stomach. So the reason I typically don't gravitate toward donuts, it's not because I think they're bad for me or because they have too much sugar or anything like that. It's just like, that doesn't sit well with me. Like if I know I'm going to say, ride my bike later that day, I'm like, oh, that's just not going to feel good with even like a voodoo donut in my stomach. I love, the vo- I don't, I think voodoo is a local chain in Denver. I, I've heard people say that voodoo is overrated, but I, I do like them. So yeah, if I'm, so like I said, I tend to avoid them, but do I sometimes eat them? Yes, I sometimes eat them. They're really good. And then I feel bad and I'm like, oh, why did I do that? So it's just making an educated decision of like, is it worth it? Do I really want that donut? You know, I get to decide that, but I'm deciding from a place of what do I want instead of what do I think I should have. But you might be asking, well, what if my doctor said I need to lose weight for my health? What, you know, Pam, this is bullshit, right? (laughs) Well, this is a tough one. And if you are in that situation, I have so much empathy for you because you're stuck in this crappy power dynamic where you're the patient and they're the medical professional and they're supposed to know all the things. At the same time, they don't. I think most medical professionals will probably tell you they get like, I've heard they get like a day of education on nutrition in medical school. And as you probably know, as a patient, you only get like 15 minutes with your doctor. They might not have time to dive into everything with you. It's like easier to just say, oh, just lose weight. The medical model is a weight-centric one. And in my experience of working in hospitals and other healthcare settings for well over a decade, There is a major culture of anti-fat bias in the medical system. I am very ashamed of some of the things that I used to think and even things I used to say and conversations I used to have in the break room and in the nurse's station. I didn't know any better. So, So know that. Know that going in that like your doctor just might not be educated. But is there a way for you to deepen the conversation with your doctor? Is it your BMI alone that's leading the doctor to suggest you lose weight? And I should note, like I could do a whole episode on the reasons why the BMI is deeply flawed, but in a nutshell, it was never designed to measure health. So you should know that. On the other, okay, so if it's just like, oh, your BMI falls into the overweight or obese category, again, those are terms that I have um, issues with, but just for sake of simplicity, the, the BMI uses those terms. So I'm using those terms. If your doctor says, oh, well, you fall into overweight or obese categories. Okay, let's look at some other markers of health because I Again, the BMI really is not 
an accurate marker of health. But what about your lab work? Are you pre-diabetic? Do you have high blood pressure? Do you have high cholesterol? Um, I would ask, what are the habits that I can adopt, doc, so that I can be doing better health-wise? Should you be adding more activity to your routine? Should you eat more fruits and vegetables? Should you lower your stress? Should you get more sleep? Are you taking a medication that maybe has a negative side effect? I mean, these are all things that may or may not affect your weight, but have been proven to improve health outcomes. We know that being more active, we know that eating a diet that includes more fiber and that has more nutrient-dense foods, and especially a plant-forward diet, we know that those are good for your health. And those are behaviors. Those are things that you have control over, whereas weight is not a behavior. You can do all those things, and studies show that you will have improved health comes regardless of what your weight does. Not to mention, focusing on weight can actually backfire, right? It leads you to lose weight and then gain the weight back and then some. I'm going to link to this in the show notes, but there was a really interesting study in 2020. Um, it, was, it was published in 2020. I'm sure the research happened well before then. But in 2020, a team of Swiss research, researchers published a study in the International Journal of Obesity Research showing that dieting is a very strong predictor of future weight gain, particularly in people who are considered normal weight. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, you might interpret that as a testament to like the idea that if you are in a higher weight category and you adjust your habits, you might actually lose weight long term. Whereas if you are what what's considered normal weight, but you're just looking for those toned delts or the washboard abs or you're sick of seeing cellulite on your thighs, whatever that may be, that may just be a healthy weight for you. And attempting to artificially lower it is only going to lead to getting the weight back and then some. Found another really interesting 2021 study, again, which I'll link to in the show notes. And it does a really great job of looking at the science that backs up the idea that healthy habits are associated with lower mortality regardless of weight. Um, They included a lot of studies that show that increases in physical activity and improvements in cardiorespiratory fitness improve a variety of health measures regardless of weight loss outcomes and they included multiple meta-analyses that failed to show a consistent relationship between higher weight and mortality and i'm going to quote from the study they said quote overall data from observational studies and rcts which that stands for randomized controlled trials which is considered the gold standard in research do not consistently show that intentional weight loss is associated with reduced mortality risk. Even in those studies that demonstrated a benefit of weight loss, it is not clear whether the weight loss itself was the primary factor that reduced the mortality risk. This is because the randomized controlled trials included in the weight loss meta-analyses invariably incorporated changes in diet and or exercise, either as a program that participants could attend or as advice. Um, And they say, as discussed in subsequent sections, increases in physical activity are consistently associated with reductions in mortality risk independently of changes in weight. And yet another study that I found that shows that you can be healthy at a variety of sizes, they looked at six measures of cardiometabolic health, and then they looked at where people fell on which of these measures of health they had or didn't have and where they fell on the BMI chart. And what they found was 23.5% of what they considered normal weight adults 
had metabolic abnormalities. So in other words, almost a quarter of people that they considered normal weight actually had some markers for um, cardiometabolic risk. So in other words, almost a quarter of people that fell into the normal weight category could be considered unhealthy. At the same time, half or 51.3%, so essentially half of the people in the overweight category had cardiometabolic issues, and 31.7%, so almost a third of people that fell into the obese category were considered metabolically healthy. So there were significant, so while yes, the heavier people got, the more risk factors they had, that's true. It's also true that there were significant amounts of people in the normal weight category that were unhealthy and significant amounts of people in the overweight and obese categories that were healthy. Okay, so in other words, you cannot look at somebody and determine their health. Not only that, it's not your job to do so. It's not fair to judge people based on their size, whether that means judging them to be unhealthy or like let's call out the elephant in the room. There's this message that people who are in bigger bodies, they lack self-control, they lack self-discipline, they eat too much, they have like binge eating disorder, they have had psychological trauma, like all these judgments that we put on people, they're unfair and they're wrong. Like you don't know. Um, I think in a lot of ways, intuitive eating, like for me at least, like intuitive eating is aligned with social justice. Like I don't think it's fair for anybody to be stigmatized based on their body. And I also, I hope that I'm not implying that um, it's not okay to want to lose weight. I don't know what it's like to be in a bigger body. Like, yes, do I know what it's like to want to lose weight and for it to feel very futile and frustrating? Yes, I do. But I don't know what it's like personally to live in a body where, you know, people are giving me dirty looks when I get on a bus or get on a plane, you know, I've never had to ask for like a seatbelt extender. Like it's it's completely legitimate in the society we live in if you're in a bigger body and you don't want to be. So if that's your situation, I have empathy for you and I hope that you don't hear me saying, you should just snap your fingers and accept your body as it is. It's, it's complicated. But I want you to know also that the diet industry is worth $72 billion a year and it is literally their job to convince us that we are flawed because if we don't believe there's a problem, then there's no reason for us to buy their solution. Whether that's a diet plan, an app, a weight loss drug, a cleanse, a flat tummy tea, whatever product or service they're hawking to deliver weight loss, if we don't think we need it, we're not going to buy it. And so they've created this machine to convince us that it's like our moral obligation to be thin and we have been getting these messages that are both subtle and loud all of our lives that somehow our bodies are wrong and that we should fix them. So I want you to know that if you're having trouble wrapping your head around the idea that you can be healthy in your body just as it is, even if you don't have the washboard abs or the ripped triceps, like I get it. And I want you to know that even though this is my work, this is what I do, this is what I love, this is the message I want to share. For me, it is daily work to unlearn everything that diet culture has told me over my 40 plus years on this planet. But I want you to imagine, just shut your eyes and imagine what it would be like to deeply believe that you're okay 
that you are enough, that you're even perfect. Maybe that's too far-fetched. Let's keep it reasonable. That you're, <laughs> that you're okay right now. What would it feel like to know that what you want to eat and how you look and how you're showing up right now is just fine? To me, it almost feels like a rebellion because as women, we are not supposed to think that. We have been conditioned to sit around and talk about how much we hate our thighs and how bad we are for ordering dessert. But imagine how powerful we could be if we could harness all the energy we have spent worrying about our thighs and our cellulite and our tummy rolls and whether we can wear that bikini or how we're going to feel in a bathing suit at all. What if we could take all that energy and release it and instead devote it to putting our true gifts out into the world? I don't know about you, but even if I had the body of a fitness model, I would not want people to come to my funeral and say, damn, I'm going to miss gazing at her body. That's disgusting. <laughs> I want people to come to my funeral and I want them to say things like, I'm going to miss hearing her laugh. I'll miss watching her power through challenges. I'll miss the way I felt when I hung out with her. I'll miss asking her for a book recommendation. I'll miss how she had this weird tendency to go from wildly insecure to ridiculously confident all in the same day, sometimes even in the same hour. You know, I want people to say they miss my hugs. I want people to say they miss my jokes. I don't care what people will say about my body. So if you take nothing else away from this episode, I hope that you take away the idea that you are so much more than your body. No matter what you've been told. My mom said this one time and I just love it. It really stuck with me. My mom said, our bodies are just vessels for our souls. Okay, so if you like this, and I hope that you did, um, and you want more, if you want this in your inbox every other week, I have a newsletter called Real Nourished. In it, I share evidence-based strategies to help you heal your relationship with food. It's really fun. I try to keep it short. You can subscribe to it via the link in the show notes or go to my website, pam-more.com. And if you like this episode, the best thing you can do is send a link to a friend. Tell them you need to listen to this right now. I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you for listening. I know there are so many podcasts out there and you have no idea how much I appreciate that you chose to listen to this one. Until next time, keep it real.